You're listening to 30 Below with Allie and Rick. I'm Allie. And I'm Rick. And we are continuing our look at musicians who were put into movies, mm-hmm. whether or not they should have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, we attempted to do Crossroads last week uh, due to some scheduling conflicts. We couldn't get it in. And also the fact that it's impossible to find now. It's available nowhere. Um, so if you have the DVD um, or like you bought it on digital somewhere and you have it, like let us know because we couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, which is weird because we've already seen it. I'm pretty yeah. sure we just watched it on Netflix a few years ago. Right, yeah. But anyway, uh, in lieu of doing Crossroads uh, with early 2000s, late 90s pop icon Britney Spears, mm-hmm. we instead are doing Glitter with late 90s, early 2000s pop icon Mariah Carey. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was early 90s. I don't know when she was popular, honestly. <laughs> she was early 90s. Uh, which... The most important thing about this that we need to discuss right away before we get into anything else, why was this movie called Glitter? Don't know. Because there was nothing to do with glitter. There was... Except in the music video scene. Except that wasn't glitter. That was shiny confetti. It was shiny confetti. It wasn't glitter. And he said, less focus on the glitter or what i wrote it down something like don't let the glitter overshadow the performer the glitter can't overpower the artist yeah and why is this called glitter i don't know i have no idea but Um, we've yeah it's a mystery that no one will ever know yep yes we do have some important information about this movie to go through that we do um this is uh, 2001 movie. It is rated PG-13. It is an hour and 44 minutes, um, which it feels much longer. Um, it has a critics rating of 6% out of 87 critics and an audience rating of 48% out of 25,000 plus audience members. And the tagline is, in music, she found her dream, her love, herself. I do don't know that I agree with a lot of that. I disagree with most of it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think she lost a lot of herself mm-hmm. and love. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what a better tagline would be, but uh, I don't agree. How about... It's Mariah Carey in a movie. That works. That, it is Mariah Carey in a movie. That is an accurate tagline. It is accurate, yes. And this movie is directed by Vondi Curtis Hall, who you would have known nothing that they've directed, really. Great. Um, biggest thing was... A single episode of Firefly, which Wouldn't they did a that. lot of TV, which I only mentioned that because there were only 14 episodes of that TV show. So that's a high percentage of that show was directed by them. Okay. And uh, the Never Too Far 
Mariah Carey music video, I think. It said it was three minutes, uh, so I assume it was either a short film or a music video. Mm-mm. And the Lifetime movie, Tony Braxton, Unbreak My Heart, which I'm guessing was a biopic about Tony Braxton. I guess. And the story for this... That music video was really good. And that song. <laughs> it's a great song. It's a really good song. Uh, there are two writers on this. Story by credit to Cheryl L. West, mm. who is known for uh, In the Hive and Playin' for Love, neither of which I know, but uh, they are movies that exist. Yeah, they sound like they would fit right in on this podcast. And Kate Lanier is the screenplay. Uh, she is known for The Mod Squad, uh, Beauty Shop, the barbershop spinoff starring Queen Latifah, What's Love Got to Do With It, mm-hmm. the Whitney Houston biopic movie, or ah! like story about her, I don't know. Tina it, Turner. Or Tina Turner, not Whitney Houston, sorry. I was going to say, she did not sing that song. And uh, Crazy Sexy Cool, the TLC story. Ah, a lot of biopics. Yeah. So I guess she's brought in to write those sorts of movies. And also Beauty Shop. Yeah. She did another movie with Queen Latifah, which is probably why she did Beauty Shop. Mm, Okay. And yeah. Why is it called glitter? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like the glitz and glamour of fame um, and the one line glitter can't overpower the artist. Maybe it's because Um, uh, the producer DJ guy sticks to her no matter how much she should get rid of it. Okay, I am so confused as to how we should be feeling about this relationship the point of view shifted over and over and over again like the first like half of their relationship is like really supportive and he is like in her corner and he understands like her like the value of her friends and he wants to support her as an artist and he wants to um you know make sure that she is taken seriously as an artist and that she makes like smart career moves um instead of like selling out and like just being this cookie cutter you know pop star that they're trying to make her into um and then he does a complete 180 yeah, and basically, in between scenes, he just changes into just a different character. He just decides he's going to be abusive. Um, not, like, physically abusive. Almost. He, almost. He gets, he gets pretty close. Um, and, but definitely verbally abusive and emotionally abusive. Um, and that made me really angry. Because, like, I was genuinely rooting for them as a couple. Because I was like, okay, he's... He's really supportive. He understands who she is as an artist and as a person, and he is invested in her. Um, so I didn't think about, I didn't think like that she should get rid of him like the whole time. It was just, 
I was honestly just really frustrated with the story deciding that he needed to be abusive now. Mm-hmm. And then it flipped again. And then it's like, oh, but he really does care about her. So, like, that's normalizing, forgiving an abusive partner. Yeah, and this relationship is very abusive. Like, he does not hit her that we see, but it is a toxic relationship that she should not be in. But again, not the whole time. No, like, it starts out a good relationship. It starts out very supportive and like and even like charming like they i thought they they had really cute chemistry um the scene where she's in the limo with her friends and like mm-hmm. they get out is like a heartbreaking scene that shows almost a woman trapped in a relationship right. that she is not able to get out of yeah Because she literally stays in the vehicle with him rather than escape with her friends. Right. Yeah, I was just really angry at the script deciding that, oh, because we need conflict, we're going to make this otherwise really supportive, really sweet, like, genuine person crappy because why not? And then, yeah. and then she goes back to it because then we see, like, oh, he really does care about her. But, like, he still showed all of his red flags. And so, like, her going back to him is bad. Like, he, he showed, like, who he apparently really is. And then <clears throat> it was just... As someone who was in that kind of relationship that was super supportive, like we were both artists, he understood me, I understood him, and then all of a sudden it flipped and it was really toxic, and then, you know, it was this on and off thing, and it was just devastating and heart-wrenching and really, really difficult to get out of. Because, like, it, it's just a, a cycle of, of trauma and abuse where it's like, oh, they're sweet. Oh, but now, now they're being verbally abusive and putting down, you know, I'm not being supportive because they're not feeling seen. It, it just, yeah, as, as a survivor of an emotionally abusive relationship and who is in a really good healthy marriage now i it's just really disappointing because i always am it's always refreshing to see um good representations of a, of a healthy relationship and then they just turn for no reason other than I'm guessing they decided that they needed conflict and they decided that that was where they wanted to pull the conflict from. Yeah, the script overall is a complete mess. Oh, yeah. And doesn't know what... Like, none of the characters have wants or goals, Mm. really. No one has an arc to go through. Everyone just sort of is. Yep. Even Mariah Carey, like, she becomes, like, a big sensation, like, pretty much overnight. 
Um, and like, yeah, she's got like hurdles that she needs to like. Does she want to work with this producer who wants her to be this cookie cutter thing, or does she want to work, or does she want to produce her own material or anything? But it was never really crystallized, like what her goal as an artist is. Yeah. And the movie seems to show that her emotional payoff was reuniting with her mother. Mm. And that was just like a periodic subplot that would come in. Right. Uh, But that was the final shot as if like that was her triumphant moment. Right. And yeah. So movie starts out. Mm-hmm. Overly satu- undersaturated. Oh, it was so... It was, looked like a noir movie. And it made it made the whole thing just drag. It seemed so slow and so just boring. And it yeah, didn't and have it's, to be. It's just a prologue during the credits, also, which makes sense. Also, the first line is, ladies and gentlemen, and I expected to hear, this is Mambo number five. <laughs> If only. But instead he says, this is Lily, um, who is Mariah Carey's mom. Mm -hmm. And she's a club singer, Mm -hmm. I guess. Uh, And only realized afterward that this takes place in like 1977 or something. Yeah. 1960 something. The period is so confusing throughout but yeah uh and this prologue lasts way too long so long oh my gosh the pacing is so it has slow. a scene where so yeah the mom's on stage and she's singing and she like hits this high note and then like blanks for a second or something and i'm like oh is she drunk is that what they're going for or is she on something which i believe is what they're going for based off of later scenes mm-hmm. and which, yeah, the actress is really underplaying that, mm-hmm. which I think is right, but we need a clearer visual confirmation that something is up, right. not just her stopping a song halfway through to bring her 14-year-old daughter up to sing with her. Yeah, because I miss that altogether, honestly. Yeah, I, and again, I don't know how young, uh, young Mariah Carey is supposed to be at this point. Mm-mm. I'm guessing... You know, early, you know, 12, 14, somewhere around there. Yeah. And she's already a great singer. Mm-hmm. Although the voices, like, I would buy that those voices are coming out of those actors, but it, it still seemed like they were lip syncing. Yeah, that's a problem throughout this entire movie. I think the problem is that they don't have the right tonal quality. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't have the room tone with it. Mm -hmm. So you can tell that it is just a recording. Right. Except it doesn't sound like it's a recording playing in the room. It Mm -hmm. sounds like a recording over top of them. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like the sound mixing was really bad throughout the whole thing. Yeah, throughout the entire movie, it's... dialogue was so quiet. I missed so many lines when I was like, what did they just say? But I mean, I was able to glean what they were talking about, but I was like, this is mixed really badly. Yeah. So after this club scene, then the mom is going up to a brownstone in uh, Manhattan and knocks on the door and there's a white guy there who 
I guess is Mariah Carey's dad. Mm -hmm. And the mom's like, I lost my job and I can't even feed her. And he just hands her a bunch of money. And then he's not a point in the rest of the movie. Yep. That she has this dad who doesn't want her, but who did care for her a little. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he is not relevant. So why is he here? Uh, And we see mom sleeping with a cigarette in her hand a couple times and yeah the first time uh young mariah her character's name is billy Mm -hmm. uh she puts out the cigarette yep but then the second time uh like the we see the mom sleeping with the cigarette and then there's a smoke alarm and i started laughing because i was like oh my god are they going to have her mom die in a fire from the cigarette is that going to be her traumatic <laughs> experience <laughs> but no her mom survived their house just burns down mm-hmm. and this seems to be what spurs social services to take her away yeah except later on she keeps referring to it as her mom gave me up yeah I feel like she didn't give her up. Uh Uh-uh. But, yeah, she needs to take care of herself and get her life together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, she has a kitten. She does. And it's orange. It is. And she takes it to the orphanarium with her. Mm Mm-hmm. And luckily, she meets two young girls who want to pet the kitten, uh-huh. and then they become lifelong best friends instantaneously. They do. Um, who the kid, grow- I will say the kid does look like a, a baby Mariah. Yeah. So I think they did a really good job casting. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as- suddenly it's 1983, and we get color for the first time. And it's at this point I was like, wait, this is a period piece? Why does this movie take place in 1983? I don't know. It doesn't have to. And, like, the wardrobe, I don't think fits. Um, No, it felt like late 90s, early 2000s was the time. most of the time, which is why I thought it was so confusing. I I was like, like, some of the stuff that she was wearing, I was like, wait, are we, how many years after 1983 are we? Because this looks like early 90s kind of dress, um, not 80s, except for the suits. The suits look 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she the whole time, and, like, Dice, like, he doesn't, yeah, anyway. Um, yes, so we're in 1983, and we are, she is dancing in a club on stage, um, just dancing, not singing. Yep. Um, and she, uh, we see, um... Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Um, and he offers her a job as a backup singer, her and her friends Mm -hmm. as backup singers because you know if you can dance you can sing he like goes back and he's like can you sing like yeah all right i want you to be backup dance and the two friends want to do it mm-hmm. and mariah carey is against it because she's like well we've got our own thing we're like a group together mm-hmm. we don't want to be backup and they leave the club without taking the offer mm-hmm. that i guess they change her mind and then they're able to just get the job yeah there's like no reason for her to turn him down apart from maybe hinting that she wants 
to be her own artist, but like, yeah, she still takes the job, so I don't know. And Terrence Howard is a creep in this movie. He's very, yes. Mm-hmm. He's just going into rooms and encroaching on people's space. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, they are at the recording session for Silk, Silk. Mm-hmm. who is a terrible singer. Really bad. But she is sleeping with Terrence Howard, yeah. and so he's going to make her a star at mm-hmm. any cost. Yes. And, like, I don't know if she's aware of this plan or not, but he's like, hey, let's do that again, but Billy, can you sing the, the part, part that Silk for, just did. for backup? Mm-hmm. And then he told the producer, hey, bring that down, or bring her way down and bring Billy way up, and then just released that as the track. Right, and Billy seems, like, okay with it, too, like, because she hears it. Yeah. They're playing the track, like, very loudly, like, in the club, like, while they're performing, because they're lip-syncing, I guess. Yes, because as with most clubs, you have a DJ who starts playing a track off a cassette, and then the singer is there to sing with the cassette. Yep. In a poorly lip-synced fashion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so they Millie Vanilli it up, and this is somehow the most boring club scene I have ever watched in my life, <laughs> which is ridiculous because they have, like, acrobatics, and they have people in, like, these weird, like, celestial, like, giant headdresses. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a very interesting looking club and it is so the shot is so poorly paced and so like boring Mm -hmm. to watch and i was like how how did they make something that is so like visually interesting into something i am just like okay can we just get get away from this like establishing shot yeah, so the DJ here uh, goes backstage because he's like, oh, that song was great. I didn't know Silk could sing like that. And then Silk tries to seduce him mm-hmm. when he goes backstage to talk with her. A uh, photographer shows up and is like, uh, Silk, let's get a picture of you with your three uh, co-singers. And she's like, no, they don't matter. They're just backup. Mm-hmm. So Mar- Raya Carey walks away and sings the song as if to be like, yeah, I'm the one who was singing. Which, like, good on her, honestly. But yeah, it also is unmotivated because, again, she seems to have not cared that That's true. Silk was taking Until this moment when Silk is, like, saying she doesn't matter. That's true. Uh, yes, the DJ follows her, and we learn that his name is Dice. A.K.A. Lucky Seven. It's so bad. It's so bad. Um, also, like, th- their outfits are completely non-coordinated. Like, yeah, they, they're just three outfits. They're just three outfits. They don't look like they belong together. Like, the wardrobe sometimes in this, especially in the club scenes, is just, like, confusing. Um, also, all of the songs 
are really weird. Yeah. They're really weird. They don't feel like early 80s songs. They definitely don't feel like early 80s songs. They feel closer to disco? Well... A lot of the time? They feel closer to after Mariah got really big in, like, like after... Like, when her career got more into, like, mainstream pop. Because, like... uh, they didn't do, like, Dream Lover. They didn't do Always Be My Baby. Like, they didn't... They didn't do the most interesting, catchy songs of Mariah Carey's career. They did, like, the really boring ones that are just, like, really breathy and you can't even tell what she's saying. Oh, I assumed that these were all written for the movie. Not all of them. Um... But, like, the, I didn't mean to turn you on. And it's all just weirdly sexual songs. Um, And I know a lot of songs are sexual, but, like, these ones are just, like, what? Like This movie has a weird obsession with making Mariah Carey a sex symbol mm -hmm. first and a singer second. Right. Yeah. Which, she is gorgeous. Yeah. She is beautiful. Um, But, like... Yeah, it's just, the music is, is just so weird, and they all sound the same. Mm-hmm. And they're all, like, a weird, awkward, in-between kind of tempo, and they're all just very low energy. Like, I don't know why these would be p- playing clubs, because, yeah, it, there's no beat. So DJ Dice, a.k.a. Lucky7, mm-hmm. grabs his mic and is like, okay, I'm going to play a beat. Now, if I point the mic at you, do something. It's a terrible idea. Awful. This would be so awkward in real life. It would be, uh, uh, and, and, and then I said, Baba Booey. <laughs> and that's what most people would be. My name is... Joe and I, I'm I've got the flow, yo. Perfect. No notes. Yeah, that's what it would be like. I yeah. And but apparently he finds two people who freestyle rap and then walks towards Mariah Carey, and for some reason everything behind him turns blurry oh for a gosh. second. We both laughed so loud at this. It's. Yeah, and he's walking towards her. He's the only thing that's in focus. It's blurry and slow motion. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And when he gets to her, she, like, freezes for a second. And it's like, oh, is she not going to sing? But then she just knows a song that fits this beat, I guess. Yeah, she just, like, riffs. And everyone's like, woo, we love her. She's the best. They should do a whole movie about her. Mm-hmm. And I guess... And then uh, he, like, follows her outside, and then we get a very weirdly long shot of her friends dancing. Her friends are funny, though. Yeah. I do like her friends. It's just, you would normally be like, okay, we'll see you later, and then it would be on them for, like, two seconds while they're doing that, and then cut to the next scene. It's seriously, like, eight or nine seconds of just them dancing together. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is a big problem with this movie overall, is the editing it spends so much time on things that don't matter and uh i think what it is is that scenes don't end they just stop Mm. they don't have a precise finish to them yeah the lingo is really awkward 
I know you're a fly DJ. I I bet you soup girls up like this all the time. I don't soup girls up. What? What are you talking about? And, of course, as a DJ, he is also a music producer slash talent manager. I kind of buy that as a DJ, he would know how to produce music. Like, I do get that. Um, I don't know about talent manager. Um, And also, she does a bad... Like, if she actually, like wants to make it she does bad business move by not giving her contact information Mm -hmm. like she doesn't have a card she doesn't she doesn't even give him like her phone number or anything she's just like you'll figure it out i hate that why do people do that like if you like somebody or they can help you out why would you not give a phone number because of fun movie logic And, again, he does manage to get in touch with her somehow. Yeah, we don't find out how, but he does. And he wants to produce for her Mm -hmm. because he thinks that she's being wasted just dubbing tracks for someone else. Mm -hmm. And he needs to get her out of her contract. Mm -hmm. So we get this transition of, like, sparks falling. And Mm -hmm. then we're just in this next scene. Yep. uh, Where he walks up to Terrence Howard in a bar... And then it's like, hey, can I talk to you? And then they walk over to the bar like 10 feet away. And for instead of starting the conversation in walking like a normal movie, it does three quick cuts and shows them like a few feet closer to the bar every time. And then once they're at the bar where they can order a drink, then the conversation starts. It's a very pre- specific and bizarre choice and I don't like it, and it's bad. 10 out of 10, no notes. (laughs) And, yeah, so he says he'll let her out of her contract for $100,000. A hundred large? And I guess, okay, and we're done with that. No more to worry about. He, like, Dice seems very taken aback by that but like apparently he's like okay i'm I'm just saying based off of his apartment he has a hundred thousand lying around right i know this is the 80s before giuliani like made it uh, an impossible to live hellscape but like it's it's still a very large apartment his apartment is gigantic um we see her recording with him Mm mm-hmm And I don't know if I'm just reading it wrong, but I think her shirt said Tramp on it. I don't know. Which made me think of the Arrested Development Lindsay Slut shirt. (laughs) And that's all, because it was red and, or it was, yeah, red with black lettering. And I saw R-A-M-P. And I'm like, well, it can't, I I mean, it's got to say Tramp, right? I can't (laughs) think of anything else that it would say. Cramp? (laughs) maybe i don't know um yeah and they go to a club and they're like hanging out in the vip section after she performs mm -hmm. and someone comes up like hey i'm with a record i want to sign you and i guess dice is also her manager because he's like no we're not taking that Mm -hmm. she's like okay we're not taking this uh, deal to get me a record 
He just signed Chili D. Yes, it's true. He did sign Chili D. Um, but Dice is convinced that they're going to get one of the big guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, so they go back to his apartment. Um, he has a framed photo of himself as a kid playing piano in his bachelor pad. Oh, this is... We just skipped a slight section there. Oh, uh, yeah. Then they go to another club where he hands the DJ a single that he just oh, carries with him. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there just so happens to be producers from, like, a major label. Yeah, CMZ. Who, who hear it for 10 seconds and then are like, you should come over tomorrow and we'll sign you. Yep. Because apparently it's that easy to get signed to a record label. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, I, I feel like it's smart to carry around a, a recording of yeah. what you're trying to get signed. Um, but yeah, they only heard it for like 10 seconds and then they were like, yep, we're going to sign you. Mm-hmm. And yes, yeah, so he takes her out to celebrate and it turns into a date, I guess. And then he brings her up to her apartment and... Yeah, um, he has a framed photo of himself as a kid playing piano. I don't know if that's like a normal thing. Um, wait, is this where she was like, is this a date? And he was like... That's, the apartment is after... He, she says, is this a date? Because that's when they're in the restaurant. Okay. Because yeah. he takes her napkin and puts it on her lap for her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's escargot. He's like snails or like something. snails from France. Um, and like, it's, it's cute. Like the way that they, like their chemistry is cute. Um, and he, he gives her a rose um, and she looks like a Barbie doll. She looks very pretty. Um, and her friends, like, help her get ready and everything. We're kind of going non-linear here because I forgot that I, I didn't write down that this was the date. Um, and, yeah, so they're at dinner and, oh, they take a limo courtesy of CMZ. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he asks her to come up to his apartment and she's like, well, only for three seconds or three minutes or something. Um, which is kind of weird because you can clearly tell that she's into him. Mm -hmm. So it's like. But she doesn't want to seem too eager. I guess not. And I, you need to know if you're going to be up there for a while or not, because you've got a limo. Are you just going to tell him to circle the block That's true. all night? That's very true. Um, but he takes her up and um, he plays marimba for her, which is apparently very sexy. Yes, he serenades her with the marimba, which is, which, I'm pretty sure, physically impossible. They... Bang it out. No offense to any marimba players. Like, it's a lovely instrument. Apparently it works on Mariah Carey, because they bang it out pretty quickly after the marimba serenade. Yeah, and that is not profesh. Not profesh. Um, And they're, like, lying in bed post-coital, or post-coitus. Post-coitus. And... It's at this point where I saw his necklace, and it's a chain, and it says dice going down vertically, (laughs) and it's just, ah! Like, I, at that point, I was like, am I supposed to like him? 
Because I did, but now I see his necklace and I don't like him anymore. Um, and uh, while they're lying in bed doing pillow talk, over the the soundtrack behind them is a Mariah Carey singing. Yeah, it is. Which is very bizarre to have that be... It's a weird choice. It's a weird, weird choice. I mean, I kind of love that idea for a comedy to have one of the characters singing. Like, mm-hmm. like Job does. He has his personal track yeah. for lovemaking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're out in a cab the next day and suddenly they hear her song on the radio mm-hmm. and he's like, ah, turn it up. It's the song. And they race out of the car and they hold up New York City traffic to the delight of millions. Mm-hmm. They hang up a phone uh, or someone's pay phone because they need to use it to call her friends to say, listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, they don't say which station. They just say turn on the radio, and the friends know exactly which station it is. And some passerby asks for an autograph, and uh, Dice says, I don't got a pen, which is, you know, kind of rude. Like, you, I don't know, you should have a pen. The And also, when the radio announces the new song, they're like, this new song by Billy... Uh, was it Billy Friday? Billy Frank. Billy Frank. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Dill, I hear you. Uh, they say, this new song by Billy Frank, and it's produced by Dice, a.k.a. Lucky Seven. Why would the radio care about who produced this new track from a new singer? Yeah, I don't know either. Um, unless it's, like, David Guetta or something, (laughs) somebody who, like, is known for producing, but he's a DJ, he's not known for producing, Uh, and, but he was on the cover of Spin Magazine. He was. He was DJ of the year on Spin Magazine. Um, and... I just want to reiterate how weird of a choice it is in the script for him to just say, I don't got a pen and not allow Billy like the experience of writing her first autograph. Also, why is the guy asking for this kid asking for an autograph? Is it because they say she's on the radio? I think so. It's Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm just like, well, why, why I mean, couldn't she... Also, he might not have a pen. Yeah, but in the script, like, you can make the script whatever mm-hmm. you want if True. you are writing it. Why would you deny your character who is rising to stardom to not be able to write an autograph for the first time? I just think that that's a weird choice for the script. Yeah, I see what you mean. And suddenly they're doing a uh, music, video. music video. We get a confetti transition this time. With a very apparently prolific, well-respected director, which I don't buy because, like, he so he says the glitter can't overpower the artist and then like two seconds later he says i want to see more of her breasts mm-hmm. he 
It seems that they decided to make this music video before conceptualizing what the music video is. Right, yeah. Because there's no way that you can change a music video from her dancing with her two dancer friends Mm -hmm. to whatever the hell he comes up with in one day. Four male dancers with red and black, like, paint on their chests, just, like, groping at her. Yeah, to indicate how hot she is. I don't know. And, like... And keep saying, I need to see more of her breasts. Yeah. Um, And also, she has this silver makeup stripe on her shoulder that she has for the rest of the movie. She had it. When they were in bed, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah, I think so. And, yeah, it's not always on her shoulder, though. It's also, one point, it's by her collarbone. It's on her back during the big finale song. Why? She just has this streak of silver paint. Is that why it's called glitter? Because... If it is, they literally never say anything about it. I I don't know. But it's, it's like, why is that there? It makes me think of... Like, uh, death becomes her, where like they're uh, they have to put on the makeup because they're dying mm-hmm. and decaying. That's what it makes me think of. Yep. Um, and the director is very problematic. Yeah, super problematic. Because uh, he's like, and they'll see her and they'll say, "Is she white? Is she black? It doesn't matter. She's exotic." He's got a vaguely European accent. Yeah. So that we know he's important and possibly French. Yep. And he's like, I need to see more of her. Yeah, he's a sex pest. Yeah, he's a sex pest. Um, and then we meet her publicist mm-hmm. and her publicist assistant, mm-hmm. whose name is Peter. And he is very awkward. Like, he's he is very intense looking he has very large eyes and a very forced smile and i was like what are you doing peter (laughs) chill out i don't know what your deal is but just like uh, i don't know maybe he's making up for all the lack of energy of the rest of the film but something ah yeah and uh they decide to celebrate or she goes to apologize to her friends for them being kicked out of the music video, mm-hmm. and they decide to have, go shopping on the uh, expense card that she has, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was going to be a fun shopping montage, but it's literally they buy one outfit. Yeah, they buy, like, weird gold lame, like, cowgirl outfits. Um, and Billy... Oh, and... Um, Blah, blah, blah. Dice stood up for her um, at the uh, music video shoot, and he was like, they're trying to, you know, sexualize you, and um, you're basically, you're better than that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, that was my first music video, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but Billy, he's right. Like, he... And also, he points out that she's clearly uncomfortable with it. Yeah. Which is, like, why I was okay with this. Mm -hmm. Because later on, he gets very protective of her her body. Yeah. In a way that is possessive and not protective. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, Billy just made me think of like uh, me when I was like starting to try to do modeling and it's like, well, this is like, you know, I want to be a blah, blah, blah. So it's fine that this, and I was just like, Billy, no, no, listen to, I know your boyfriend seems like he's controlling, but he is looking out for you because you were uncomfortable. So yeah, I was like, Billy, why are you so naive? Because mm-hmm. she's not that young either. I no. don't think. Uh, she's indeterminate age. Yeah, she is. Um, also, yeah, her clothing is weird and 90s when apparently this takes place in the 80s. She's wearing a sweater tied behind her back. Which the publicist refers to a sexy street urchin look. I don't, I just think it's weird. And she's got her paint arm. Yep, she's got her paint arm. Uh, Terrence Howard shows up while Dice is grabbing a smoke because he's frustrated with the publicity photos. Mm-hmm. And Dice has not paid him. And Terrence Howard is upset and he wants his money. Mm-hmm. And then the scene just ends. Yep. Um, and also Dice says this was a BS deal and you know it. Why? Why was it a BS deal? Because he, like, was supposed... I mean, he was supposed to pay $100,000 for uh, Billy... Or, yeah, Billy's- To get her out of her contract. Yeah. Billy didn't want to be in that contract, it sounded like. Um, and Billy... He got Billy. Like, he, he got her as an artist and now as a girlfriend. And, like... Yeah, but it, I don't think it was a BS. From the perspective of $100,000 to sign, to get a, an unnamed person out of a contract, mm-hmm. that seems like a ton, especially because he was using her not for her, but for her voice mm-hmm. to prop up someone else. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you gotta... I, I don't know if they got it in writing, or if this is just a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, I... <sighs> I don't know. Like, are we supposed to know that uh, Terrence Howard is sketchy and a shady guy? Is he in the mob or something? Um, Mariah Carey gets dice and electric Yamaha keyboard, and it's not even 88 keys. It's... For 1983 is a fancy gift, but now is like a $200 thing. He is blown away by it. He's like, this is the nicest thing anyone's ever done for me. Mm -hmm. And she's like, it's, it plays all these different sounds. And it's just so funny looking back on a Yamaha keyboard in 2022. And he, uh, says... And do you come with the Yamaha? Because he wants her to move in with him. Mm -hmm. And he is very bad at asking directly. Yep. Um, But she catches on and she's like, you're asking me to move in with you. And how long have they been dating or even known each other at this point? We don't know. Her, she had a song be... Well, we find out later that she has a, her single is a number one hit for 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's when they're making her album. 
But, like, that's after this, so it's like... Yeah. Time maybe they've been together a month? Yeah. Um... And then, while she's packing her stuff up, she finds a box of her mom's stuff. Mm-hmm. And it brings back a bunch of feelings. She talks about how her mom gave her up. And I think we see her smoking for the first time? She is at the piano writing a song... And there is cigarette smoke wafting from something behind her. But we don't see her actually smoke. I thought that we saw her, like, with a cigarette in hand. But then, like, when she put it down, all I saw was a pen. So I'm like, was she holding her pen like a cigarette? But there's also cigarette smoke coming from somewhere. Yeah, and if you're Mariah Carey and you have Mariah Carey's voice... You don't smoke. Don't smoke. smoke. Mm-mm. And also, like, it's weird to write a song about your mom while smoking because your mom uh, burned down your house while mm-hmm. uh, sleeping with Like, that's cigarettes. the last memory you have of your mom is when she burned down your house with a cigarette. Yeah, it's just kind of like... And that's what caused her to no longer be able to be with you. It's like, you took up cigarettes after that? Yeah, exactly. Um, So one of the lines, and this is actually like in the real song, and I had to look it up. Um, You could have had the decency to give me up before you gave me life. That to me sounds like she wishes she was aborted. Yeah, that's what those lyrics would mean to me. (laughs) That's really heavy. That is. That's very, very heavy. That is far beyond I wish I was never born. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, And that's like a a real song. Like, I, I looked it up and it's a whole song and that is in there. So, whew. Um... Yeah, then we see Julian on the cover of Spin Magazine. Or Dice. Julian Mm -hmm. Dice Black. Another thing that annoys me, she calls him Dice throughout the entire movie. She never calls him Julian. I don't know, maybe he doesn't like being called Julian. I just feel like if I were involved with somebody and they had... They they went by Dice, but their real name was Julian. I would call them Julian. I mean, does Whitney call Samson Samson? No. She doesn't? Or, uh, yes, yes, she does. But, like, <laughs> Samson is Samson. He said, he, I'm just taking it that Dice. he wants to be called Dice, so she is... Accepting it's that. It's awful, though, and I hate it. <laughs> I I, res- I guess I respect that Dice wants to be called Dice, but it's awful. Um, she. This is when her plotline changes very briefly to, I'm going to find my mom for... Just, I don't know where that's her plot. So she goes to social services, and they're told, yeah, sometimes people slip through the cracks. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. And then she cries, and then we're done with that. Yep. Um, we meet with her produ- or her 
team. And like the executives like, at the record label. Yeah, they're like, all the songs sound the same, and we think that you should work with a different producer. They say, there are a lot of great producers out there. And she's like, well, what do you mean by that? We mean that there are a lot of great producers out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Dice says that um, they want her to work with different producers, and also they didn't like the quote-unquote Woe Is Me song on her record, which was uh, Reflections, which was the one about her mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Dice understands that. He understands that they think that she would be better off working with different producers to get different sounds. Um, and they, and he does understand that, you know, this song was very personal to her because he did like walk in on her, like singing it. And he was like very quiet and respectful and everything. Um, and so it seems like he does like value her as an artist and like her career. Um, and then, yeah, so she decides that she is going to work with a different producer. She doesn't, though. Like, or maybe she does. I don't know. She she does whatever. People she's going to recommend. be singing at a like the Grammys or something mm-hmm. because she USA has USA Music Awards. Yeah. And when she goes to do her rehearsal before the show, um, when they're, like, testing the levels and everything, she sees another guy playing a piano, and she's he's playing a sad song mm-hmm. that's I thought was her song for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she sings her song about uh, didn't mean to turn you on. Which is a perfect lead-in from sad song to that. So weird. And he's watching it, and I guess he decides he wants to work with her. And I assumed he was a performer, not a producer. Right. Yeah, and like, the way that he's looking at her, I'm like, oh, are they gonna get together? I don't want them to get together, because he's... Yeah. He was kind of looking at her, like, in a, like, objectifying way, too. And I was like, ah, why can't you just be, like, a guy who wants to play music with another person? Like, yeah, if he had been walking away and then heard her sing and, like, turned to hear her better. Right. As opposed to just staring at her as she's waiting for the music to come up. Right. Um. And, And, yeah, then after... Uh, the awards she steps out onto the red carpet where she's being bombarded with interviews mm-hmm. and dice is with her wearing an open unbuttoned black shirt Button and leather shirt, pants dice she gets asked one question and then he's like we gotta go and that's when it's suddenly like okay he's being this is the moment where he starts being trash yeah And, like, he has his own project that he's working on, too. Like, he's got... We skipped over it, but, like, he is, like, jamming with some friends. And, like, he's got his own stuff going on. So, I don't know. I I was just really confused at this point. And I said, is Dice going to start being a dick? 
um, and then he just devolves. Um, and then one guy just goes up to her and is like, I'd love to put you in a movie. Do you have you thought about acting? Which I guess is probably the way it works when you're a singer and like you're successful and like a movie producer is like, why don't we give you your own movie? I mean, that's probably how this thing got made. Probably. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, her friends are getting ready for the after party mm-hmm. and one of them keeps t- trying different accessories and uh her friend's like just hurry up we gotta go Mm -hmm. and i thought that she was wearing pajamas yeah (laughs) because it's like oh gray with checkerboard stripes Mm -hmm. and it looked like loungewear not a thing you would wear to an after party but i guess i don't know um the exec guy brings her over to meet with the singer, who's like, hey, we should do something. Dice shows up and starts being possessive of her. Super possessive. Of and course like, he couldn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm not producing because I'm doing my own stuff. I'm doing something with Quincy, but we don't want to talk about it. So he just lies about what he's doing. Yeah, because he couldn't just be a good partner. He had to do a total 180. Um, and... Then uh, we get to the apartment. Um, well, we're in the limo that we were talking about. Oh, where yeah, he's the limo. Drunk. Where he's drunk and being really possessive of her body and saying, like, you've got everything hanging out. She's just wearing, like, a dress. Yeah. Um, like, it's a strapless dress. Yeah. And, um, and apparently he bought it for her or picked it out for her. Um, and he throws some ethnic slurs out. Yeah. At her Puerto Rican friend. Mm-hmm. Yep, he does. And yeah, then they go to the apartment, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mariah chooses to be in to stay in the limo with yep. with Dice. And is this when he is, comes close to being abusive towards her? Uh, I mean. I'm not sure what, but the next thing that I have is that she's wandering around at night alone in New York City and happens to see what she thinks might be her mom as an unhoused person. Yeah. And I think it was the same actress. I think so too. I wasn't sure if it was like her like imagining things or what was going on because yeah, it definitely looked like the same actress. Uh, but... Yeah, um, she goes into the apartment, uh, later, and she's like, hey, we're doing that thing later, and then Terrence Howard is in the shadows, mm-hmm. and he is, Terrence Howard is threatening her. He says, I don't want to hurt you, but I will, um, and tells her, like, how, uh, Dice owes him $100,000 for her contract, um... And, like, the, I don't want to hurt you, but I will. I'm not really sure what that would accomplish, you know? Yeah, how are you going to get your money now? Right, yeah. But he, that applies to later on as well. He's not getting that money. Uh, No. But then we see what, it's almost like security cam footage from the angle of Dice just hanging out next to this building. Mm -hmm. And then Terrence Howard comes out and Dice just 
hits him and starts beating the crap out of him. Mm -hmm. And then within seconds, police are there because they just happen to be walking down the street. Yeah. I was like, did Terrence Howard set this up as a trap? Yeah. Yeah, so Billy gets a call that Dice is in jail. um, And there's paparazzi and newscasters outside. And and for some reason, she went to personally bail him out instead of having the publicist do it or something. Right. Also, one of the newscasters' name is Karen Diana. It's a weird name. (laughs) I don't think I would be named Karen Diana as a newscaster. I mean, you remembered it. Because it's weird. It's not... (laughs) You got two first names that aren't even, like, Diana does not seem like a first, last name, you know? Yeah, it doesn't. And so this is when they are in their apartment. They're having their big fight about Mm -hmm. how they aren't working. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he makes a move like he's going to hit her. Mm Mm-hmm. And says, like, your mom would be so upset if she saw what you were doing. Yeah, because he's, like, slut-shaming her. Because he's like, all you're doing is shaking your butt for people. And so she slaps him, Mm -hmm. and he lunges like he's going to hit her. Mm -hmm. And then she takes her cat and goes on her way. Mm -hmm. Also, how old is the cat now? Yeah, I assume this is, like, ten years after that. So it's like I, I guess Dill is ten. Yeah, he's around ten. Cats can you know be up to twenty sometimes. So yeah, like, that's true. It's it's very feasible. Also, why haven't we gotten more cat? We should have gotten more cat because uh, the cat has the best shot when she goes to her old apartment. Is like, hey, I need to crash here. I left uh, dice. And then the cat just looks super derpy right at the camera Mm -hmm. for a shot. Also, she walked, like, the streets of, like, New York City with while just holding the cat. Mm -hmm. So that is a very well-behaved cat. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. She's back at the studios, and one of the record execs is like, Hey, I want to bring you somewhere. I got a surprise for you. And he's acting like he's about to set her up with someone, Mm -hmm. almost. And it's just the guy who wants to do a duet. Mm -hmm. And then they work on a duet. And... And that's the end of that storyline. The musician dude is giving off real creep vibes. Like, he touches her, and he's, like, really close up on her. And I don't know. I didn't like it. And the song is... As shallow and overproduced as literally everything else in this movie, except for the songs about her mom and then the song about them at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still just, like, the same beat. It's the same, like, breathiness. It's not catchy. Like, I don't know what this like I thought they were going to create like a more like personal intimate artistic kind of song but but nope it's the same um and they're going to leak it to the radio stations that week 
Yep. Because I guess radio stations are in the business of playing leaked audio that they get because they love their relationships with the studios that little. I guess. And so, yeah, apparently she sold out Madison Square Garden, which I think is like 20,000 seats or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. But... She sold it out in, like, minutes, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except she's also still living in the same apartment she was in as a nearly unemployed dancer with her two friends. Yes. And I hope, at the very least, she's paying for all the rent, because, like... uh, Come on. Yeah. And... Are Billy and Dice writing the same song at the same time? It seems to be... Like, she is singing the notes that he is writing down, and he's writing the same stuff. So they seem to both be writing a song for each other that happens to be the same song. Mm, Yeah, that's weird. So yeah, she goes over to Dice's place while he's not there, Mm -hmm. and she sees the song that he wrote, and it, like, says melody for Billy. Billy. Mm -hmm. And she, like cries a little bit she looks at some photos including one where he's making a really dumb smile there the photo is of them just hugging in front of a brick wall like who took that (laughs) wait why didn't they get a better background like it's just awkward it looks like the the director was like oh yeah we need some pictures of you there's a brick wall over here. Let's quick get some photos that we can put on the piano. And looking at this sheet music, she forgives him for his incredibly bad behavior mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he wrote a song. Mm-hmm. And she kisses it and signs it so that he knows she was there. And, and he bought like, a ticket to her Okay, show. I wasn't sure if he bought it or if she brought that with her. No, he bought it. Yeah, so he bought, and it's like a floor ticket, too. Yeah. And uh, she leaves, and he comes in just, a, like, a second after. Mm-hmm. He's got a mustache, too, now. I didn't it's very light, and but it is upsetting. <laughs> and, yeah, he goes... Uh, onto the street to go to the performance Mm -hmm. when Terrence Howard stops him is like dice come over here we gotta talk and then shoots him point blank in the chest yep which I thought was a really annoying unnecessary frustrating plot point yep it's like so this this is your plan to kill him for beating you up and mm-hmm. then to never get your money mm-hmm. and like also to never get Billy mm-hmm. uh, because yeah it's not a good plan on like, his part. Billy is still technically like with Timothy like her contract then I guess yeah I don't unless know. she unless he signed something to. Like, terminate her contract. Yeah, like, she's still... Yeah, I don't know. Um, And then everyone is waiting around, trying to figure out where she is, because she's not at Madison Square Garden yet, and the crowd is full and starting to get antsy. mm -hmm. And 
then they turn on the TV because someone gets a call and they see a reporting about how Dice, a.k.a. Lucky Seven, was murdered. Mm -hmm. And that's when she walks in. So she was late, completely unrelated to that. Mm -hmm. She was just being unprofessional Mm -hmm. and late to her sold-out performance at Madison Square Garden. Mm -hmm. I mean, she knows that he's dead. Like, otherwise, like, the song, I mean, or maybe she doesn't, I guess. No, I took it that she learned at this exact moment that he was dead. That she walked in late when they turned on the TV, and that's how she found out. Because how else would she have found out? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Which, I don't know how you go on stage after that. No, no, she still put on that dress, they did her hair... They put a single streak of silver on um, her, her back. Yep. And yeah, I was like, oh, is there going to be like a she can't perform thing mm-hmm. or, but nope, she just goes right out there. Yep. Ready to perform. She gets a little teared up, but like, otherwise she does pretty good performance. Um, the pre-show is her as four dancers moving around to a upbeat song. Yeah. And she walks on stage and holds out a hand to stop it. Yeah. And then gives this heartfelt speech about how you have to tell people you love them because you never know where they're gone. That is some tonal whiplash. Yeah. But the audience is really into it. Like someone Mm -hmm. straight up woos. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's just, and then, like, she starts singing the song that, uh, he, I guess they both wrote together, but apart, um, which, like, did they have that planned? Because, like, the music was ready to go, and the lights were ready to go. The rest of the everyone just know to really play good it. good at improvising? I, Yeah. And that one song is all she does for her sold-out concert, mm-hmm. apparently. Because mm-hmm. I don't think she's changing into, like, a sexy outfit after that and then dancing. Yeah, no. And also she's wearing that dress uh, for the rest of the movie. Which is so weird. And she goes backstage and finds a single red rose, like mm-hmm. he brought her on their first date. Mm-hmm. And a note that he hand-wrote her. Which he wrote and sent at some point between her visiting his apartment and him being murdered. Dunno. And he made sure to include important information that she would need to know in the note, even though he was planning on seeing her later anyway. Yeah, that's true. Because he was like, I can't wait to be there when you reunite with your mom. And wouldn't you know it, social services found your mom. She's living in Maryland and has been clean for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so Billy takes the car apparently immediately after the show. And she gets into the limo after the show and is like, Take me to Maryland. Doesn't change at all. She's still in her, like, sequin gown. And I hope this limo driver got paid well, because, like, he's drove literally all night for this woman unexpectedly. Right. Yeah. Um, And then she reunites with her mom, who didn't age at all. Nope. 
Not even, like, some gray in her hair or anything. She doesn't have her, like, afro anymore. Yeah. Because it's not the 70s anymore. Right. Or potentially Mm -hmm. 60s. Yeah. Who knows? Um, yeah, and they hug, and then that's it, basically. Yep. And then I noticed that Randy Jackson produced several of the songs that were in this movie. Which I only point out because this is about the time that American Idol was starting. Mm. And so, yeah, that's glitter. That's glitter. Something I noticed about this movie. It has a weirdly similar structure to the Bradley Cooper version of A Star is Born. Mm. With a lot of bad editing and jumpy timelines. A bad boyfriend relationship that brings along this new sensation. Mm -hmm. And then there's a death, which motivates them to be better than they were with them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, basically the same movie. Hmm. I was actually thinking of The Bodyguard, but I haven't seen The Bodyguard in a very long time. Um, But, yeah, I... I don't even know if that's accurate, but the the I death think... at the end and her singing just made me think. But I think it's Whitney Houston who dies at the no, end. No, no the... one dies in The Bodyguard. What? Yeah, she sings I Will Always Love You as he walks away in a sling after he kills the stalker that was trying to get her. Oh, okay. So it's not like The Bodyguard. Yeah, all. it's that he's... Like, uh, he's finished his assignment, which is why he's leaving. Well, that's... He could stay. I don't know. Yeah, I, again, I haven't seen that movie in ages. I don't know. I got a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's too good for us. Um, but yeah, I know I liked it, but well, I... mean, I, I, much I like Kevin Whitney Costner, Houston. I also enjoy adult movies. <laughs> oh, Kevin Costner. <laughs> you said that. Um, yeah, I, uh... I thought it had similar structure to, I I would agree with that, but for some reason I thought somebody died in the bodyguard, and that's why I thought of that one. But, yeah. Whitney Houston is also a, you know, legendary diva, and Mm -hmm. I say that in the context of they were on an album called Divas Live. I take it in the traditional Italian sense of diva as opposed to the prima donna style of diva. Yeah, yeah. Like, a sensation. Um, yeah. So, um, highlights for me, um, Mariah Carey is pretty and charming, and I think she did a good job in this with what, what she was given. I didn't think her acting was bad. Yeah, she wasn't overly stilted, and, like, the romance scenes didn't seem overly awkward Mm -hmm. from her end, which is usually where the musicians mess up. Right. I thought her friends were really funny. Um, Again, I liked um, Billy and Dice in the beginning, um, in, like, the first half of their relationship before Dice does a weird 180 and is like, I'm gonna be abusive all of a sudden. Um, and the music video director, well, 
very creepy and unprofessional is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that was at least it, entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any highlights for you? Uh, the scene transitions. Uh, when they're in the bar and they do three quick cuts for no reason. <laughs> That was a highlight? Yeah, because it stuck in my head. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Would you recommend people check this out? Um, Well, I'm also going to list, like, my main cons. Um, Yeah, your main cons. The pacing was terrible. Um, The point of view was inconsistent. I had no idea who I was supposed to be supporting or rooting for. Um, Even though you theoretically want to support Mariah Carey, but, like, also she makes some really naive, bad decisions in this, too. Um, The most boring music possible when you have Mariah Carey, like, she's so talented, and they used the boring... Like, they underutilized her somehow. Like... They, they went with, like, the breathy stuff that's, like, not even, like, really melodic or anything. It's just, like, ah. um, and, and that was very upsetting because, like, early on in Mariah's career, like, she had some awesome songs. Like, mm-hmm. Vision of Love and Hero and Dream Lover and, yeah, Always Be My Baby. Um... I would not watch this again, um, and I kept thinking back and forth if I would recommend it or not. Um, maybe if you're a big Mariah Carey fan, um, because she is good in it, but she's also, like I said, underutilized, um, which was really frustrating because, again, she's Mariah Carey. She's super talented, um, but yeah. I don't know. I guess it depends on how big of a Mariah Carey fan you are. Yep. And I agree that the pacing is terrible. The story is scattershot. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is a very passive protagonist Mm -hmm. who just goes where people to tell her and is like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And a point of note that this movie is not technically available anywhere, much like Crossroads, except people didn't care enough to have it removed from YouTube in this case. And normally the songs alone will get you. Mm-hmm. Like, those will get you and will get you DMCA'd. But I guess someone's asleep at the wheel in that case. So it is free to watch with ads that are far too obtrusive. Uh, so There are so many ads. But yeah, I don't think you need to see it. I didn't have enough fun moments with it to mm-hmm. make it worthwhile. So I give it a rating of one toxic relationship out of 20,000 screaming fans. And not enough cats. Not enough cats. <laughs> uh, this has been 30 Below. If you want to reach out to us. Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Or on, find me on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Rick Boston, and I'm also on Twitch at Northernmost Gamer. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Allie in MPLS A L I I N M P L S. 
if you want to reach out to the podcast with any suggestions, like uh, our good friend and most loyal listener, Betsy, did, <laughs> uh, you can email us at 30belowpod at gmail.com. That's mm-hmm. 30belowpod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to see us in person, we're going to be appearing in the Minnesota Fringe Festival in Orgel Rising. We are. Which is the tale of a World War II submarine uh, that is filled with space magic. The ma- last submarine of Poland. There's uh, theater wizards. Mm-hmm. Lots of pantomime. Uh-huh. So much pantomime. And potentially a new character or new actress playing Gagner instead of... <laughs> Uh, so if you're in Minneapolis in the first two weeks of August, uh, try and go and see that. Mm-hmm. And support the Minnesota Fringe Festival any way you can. Yeah. Uh, make sure you're still wearing your masks when you're indoors. Yep, please. And yeah, this has been 30 Below. I've been Rick. I've been Allie. And this has been 30 Below. <laughs> Bye.